This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics, while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Well, welcome back to The Leaders We Need. I am your host, Joel Harder. Today, we have a special bonus episode. This is the last of three conversations that I had with Drew Null, who's the co-narrator with Hawk Studios for the audiobook, When Leaders Matter. Along the way, while we produced the audiobook, in each of the three sections, each of the three steps in the process of engaging leaders, we concluded that section of the book with a dialogue between Drew and myself. And in this conversation, we really dive into the nine marks of integrity, why they're important, and how we can work to ask more of our leaders, specifically that they be people of integrity. And that is so important, you know, more important than simply being a person of integrity is what do you do with integrity? What does it look like to put integrity into practice? How can that change the leadership culture of our policymaking community? How can that transform our communities, our states, and our nation, and really our entire world so that the leaders in our world and in our state and our nation can work to benefit and bless all of us so that we can all thrive? It all begins with integrity and it all begins with you. And so I really hope you enjoy this conversation on integrity and also look at the nine marks of integrity and how you can maybe think a little more intentionally about the kind of integrity we need in our leaders moving forward. You know, we also have a special resource available, a companion ebook to When Leaders Matter. And this is a discussion guide that really goes a little deeper into the nine marks of integrity. What better way to spend the weeks leading up to this next presidential election where it's not just the president we're going to be electing, but leaders all across our nation. Every level of state and local government will be on the ballot. This is such a great opportunity to really think a little more deeply for yourself about the kind of integrity that you're looking for in a leader. But remember, your power, your voice, it doesn't stop at the ballot box. The three-step process for engaging leaders that is outlined in the book, When Leaders Matter, is all about recapturing and reclaiming your power. You can engage leaders beyond just election day and do it in such a way that breaks through cycles of incivility and helps them to lead better. To get a copy of the When Leaders Matter study guide, simply go to whenleadersmatter.com and click on order, and you'll be able to find both the book, When Leaders Matter, and the study guide there. It's a digital download. You can get it immediately. Well, let's get to the last conversation from the book, When Leaders Matter, with Drew Null of Hawk Studios on leadership and integrity. When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, 
leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When leaders matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. Okay, so, Joel, we're kind of wrapping up the, the book here. Um, and, and, you know, we've walked through these these characteristics, uh, this roadmap of, of developing integrity and leadership. Um, you know, how did... How did you come to these these nine these nine characteristics? What what specifically stood out that led you to to this place of this is how we develop integrity and in, in leaders? Well, I'll first respond by saying this list is not exhaustive, and and there are certainly other characteristics uh, and other dimensions to integrity that I believe and I uphold, and and they're not in this book, and they're those that come to your mind and. By not being an exhaustive list, I also hope that it's maybe causing a reader or a listener to think, well, he didn't say this. And that's a good that's a good thought to have because there's more there. But what led me to include these nine characteristics specifically in the book goes back to my work as a chaplain in the Oklahoma House of Representatives. As the chaplain, I get to have the opportunity to deliver a devotional message each week on the floor of the house towards the end of the week as they're wrapping up the legislative work of that week. And these are not exhaustive Bible studies. They are encouraging spiritual messages that are designed to encourage them in their hearts and their spirits so that they can work well as they continue their legislative task that day and for the week to come. And so a few years ago, as I was giving these devotional messages, I began to work through what we read in the book of Galatians as the fruit of the Spirit. As we looked at each one of these characteristics one by one, what emerged was a, a thoughtful discussion that I had with elected leaders presently serving in a legislative body in a state capitol about nine different characteristics that mark a person of integrity. And I was able to to discuss those and consider how being more joyful or the role of peace and peacemaking and being a person that promotes peace into chaos or conflict, being more self-controlled, being gentle, being good. And we got to look at how these different qualities actually impact and play out in their work in their leadership, in that legislative body, in that moment. And the response was just so humbling and encouraging to see that elected leaders were contemplating thinking about these nine virtues. And I I was able to have follow-up conversations after sharing the devotions and hear how they were considering, and it was impacting the way they thought about their leadership, to lead with peace, to lead with self-control, to lead with goodness. I saw these nine characteristics specifically resonating in that realm of political leadership. And so that's that's why I focused on these nine in the book. But of course there are more. It's a lifelong endeavor of building and maintaining and refining our integrity. And there's so much that goes into it. But 
It's because I see it work. I've seen it work and impact political leaders. Yeah, no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree there. Circling back on this, this theme of respect that is kind of a thread that runs throughout the book. How do you see these specific characteristics as, as contributing to this idea of, of respect and, and more importantly, how, how we hold ourselves and leaders to a, a standard of integrity? Well, each, each one of these characteristics are significant and powerful and challenging in their own right. Uh, and that's why in the book we looked at them one at a time. But collectively, they paint a robust picture of what a heart that has been set free really looks like. A person who is not governed by the circumstances that are around them, whether good or bad, that's not what governs their thoughts or attitudes. They are free to lead with extraordinary love and joy and peace and patience, no matter what's happening around them. And in a political environment that can feel so disrespectful, we need leaders who can navigate that often very difficult and very discouraging disrespect and yet promote and encourage and lead with all of those virtues and characteristics and that integrity because we want to see it change. We want to see it different and leaders can help us do that and leaders can lead that way. That's where I see that, that interplay really coming together because if I'm a person whose heart is just set free and that's what those nine characteristics are, are pointing to, then it doesn't matter how ugly the environment is around me. I don't have to respond in like kind. And that's what we need in, in our leaders. That's what we need in ourselves. Joel, to that same thread or, 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 or idea that there's this fundamental narrative in the book uh, relating to the ability and the need for the ability to, to disagree, but maintaining a level of, of respect and civility for one another. You wrote the book because there's a need for it. And, and if there's a need for something, it means that we don't currently possess it to the capacity which, which we desire. So I, I'm, I'm curious how, I mean, you've very well laid out a, a strategy. How do we get beyond this baseline mentality of, I can disagree with you and, and still have love for you in my heart? First of all, I would say begin by realizing it, it's possible. And one of the ways that I know it's possible is because it's happening. I get to work with and observe and see leaders who every day are working to bring uh, diverse people with different perspectives and backgrounds together around the table to navigate differences. And, and they do it in a thoughtful, compelling, meaningful way that creates and discovers innovative solutions in our current climate of politics and the way people are observing what's happening, that that's necessarily what most people get to see. Those moments seem few and far between if we ever hear about them, but they are happening and they're often happening behind the scenes and without the press and the fanfare. So the first step, Drew, is to know that it is possible because it is happening. And if you remember that it is happening and it is possible, then we can begin to lean in to really answer your question. Now, how do I get there? And, and really, the heart of that is we need to recognize and understand 
that there is value in our differences. There's not just something valid in our differences, but there's value in it. Um, The Bible really only ever called one person wise. The Proverbs go to great lengths to convince us that no one person has it all figured out. That all of us, even the best of us, still see only partly what's good and true and beautiful. We need the differences of of perspectives, of experiences, of backgrounds, of principles, of philosophies, of ideologies. We need those differences because we can't see fully ourselves. And when we have that different perspective come in, it gives us more of an opportunity to see a fuller picture. We don't send our leaders to the Capitol to agree. We send them there to skillfully navigate the areas of disagreement never abandoning their positions, but listening to the perspectives of others. Because when they navigate those areas of disagreement, that's where creativity comes from. That's where innovative solutions can emerge. Our differences are not a problem to be overcome. They're our greatest asset as a people. The answer to your question is, as we begin to see the differences that are around us, that are in the people that we are in community with, in a society with, in a country, in a state, in a nation with, when we begin to see those differences as our greatest asset, not a problem to be navigated, that's when we really discover that ability. Yeah. I don't want to gloss over that. It's a really important and a, a very meaningful thing to understand. I think we, I think that we've been conditioned to believe that that our that we have to overcome differences. I, I and I yeah. and I'm, I'm I say that with absolutely no political or or sociology charge behind it. I, I think it's just the way our 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 society is set up. You know, we we want to overcome differences. You know, because we have opposed. We, we've set our differences in opposition um, because to your point, it, it, and I think it, it, it easily viewed in the political arena of we have differences and, and, and they're set in, in opposition and competition with one another. And the reality is, and I love what you said, that, that our differences create creativity mm-hmm. um, because, it, you know, and it doesn't even, I mean, we see this it doesn't have to be massive differences. It doesn't have to be socioeconomic differences. It doesn't have to be religious differences. Just little, like just differences in personality are enough to spur and spark creativity. I mean, if you think about it, when you collaborate with people on anything, on any type of a project, the things that come out of that collaboration are so much more dynamic than what any one of those people in that group could have come up on, come up with on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's because we all see True. things differently. I mean, you and I collaborate on a project and we see things differently. We create a, a better, you know, product in the end. You have groups of creative people in a, in a marketing department. They come up with something significantly more profound and creative than any one of them would have on their own politics, you know, social activists, whatever the case may be, we, we have a, we have a lot of really difficult things to figure out in our country and in our society and in our world for that matter. 
And, well, it, and, and it, yeah, Drew, I, I've got to jump in and say, again, the title of the book is when leaders matter because they matter right now. It's, it's essentially, it's, it's, it's making the point they matter right now for the reason you just said, our problems are not simple. They are complex. And the, the, the problems that our, our elected leaders, our political leaders are navigating uh, will not have the conservative solution or the liberal solution. It's either the, this party's solution or that party's solution. The solution to these problems are going to be as complex as the problems are themselves. Therefore, the difference of background experience, skills, perspectives, the needs and challenges in one legislative district, uh, which are different than that of another legislative district, when they bring those priorities and principles and differences together in that place of policymaking, you have the opportunity to access all of that talent and experience and perspective to get a far more dynamic and innovative and creative solution to to our problems. And that's what we need in our leaders right now. And we need it in the future. We need leaders who will lead us in that way. And we need them now and we need to be developing them uh, now for the future. And I really do believe that if you are willing to lean in to the process of engaging leaders with the intent and desire to break through the incivility, then you are likely becoming the kind of leader that we need in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And to bring it full circle back to the reader, the listener, we comprise the the system, the society, the culture. And so as much as it's important, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Leaders matter right now, and we need to be developing leaders for the future. But the reality is every single one, and you, you say this in the book, every single one of us is a leader of our culture because mm-hmm. we all are a part of it. We all have the ability to affect and change it. So while- We're all responsible. Absolutely. So, so while we may not all serve in an elected office or as an executive of, of an organization or an educational system, the reality is we all have a role to play in the culture and in the system. And so changing ourselves is just as important as, as changing, you know, trying to affect and, and hope for change in our leaders. Because to your point, going through this process of, of asking more for leaders and asking more of leaders in and of itself changes us. It changes our perspective on the situation as much as it does on the needed solution. And that change is possible and is happening and it will break through the incivility we see, uh, the integrity that we need, and the and the leaders that can lead us there are possible. And I I I get to see and work with leaders like that every day, and I invite you to join me. That's awesome. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to the Leaders We Need with Joel Harder a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. 
Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.